If you will, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. What an exciting day when we can get together around the empty tomb. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read 10 verses. A message today entitled, The Message of the Angel. Let's stand together and read these 10 verses. Get us in front of, get the verses in front of us. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Heavenly Father, we pray that today that we will have your spirit, your unction in our service. We pray that your message will be energized by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that as that energy comes into our hearts and our lives, we pray that you will speak and that you will cut down the walls, that you will cut through the hard layers of our heart that stand between you and us, that we can hear a word from you today. In your name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Messages are around us everywhere we go. We have email messages, we have text messages, we have voicemail messages, we have those little sheets, those little pink sheets that the secretary puts on your desk with a message. You know what I'm talking about? Call back. We have all kind of messages. In fact, if you were to ask me, I would say that we're on message overload. And the reason that, and one of the outgrowth of being on message overload is that when you come in on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, you kind of lull off to sleep when the preacher starts giving you another, say it with me, message. And so we just tend to shut down. However, there are those occasions when messages come to us and they are so personal, they're so dynamic, they cut through our hard facade. I saw Phyllis here. I will tell you, Ms. Phyllis, that was, that was my response last, last week when I received the call of what, about Mr. Henry. I was just kind of about to go to bed, and all of a sudden, the caller, June, had my attention. Two weeks ago, Deborah called me, and she said, Bill died. Bill was our, her first cousin, whom we were pretty close to, and I, she had my attention. A couple of weeks before that, we got a call from Jonathan on Thursday or Friday that he was going to have multiple procedures on Monday. He had my attention. Now, those are only three instances in the past month for me. I know that the same thing's happening to you, that when somebody calls, they get that tone in their voice, and they're about to tell you something that they got your attention. Can you imagine what it was like for these uh, ladies who came to the tomb that morning? We need to get into our minds today 
that we're looking back at the resurrection in hindsight. And when we look back in hindsight, that's always 2020. But when you look through the eyes of the women as they got up that morning and they went down to a graveyard, hello? Went down to a graveyard. Now, it is true that there was some conjecture about when it says, as the first day was dawning. What does it actually say in the Matthew passage? It says, as the first day of the week was dawning. Well, now, did they come at dusk or dawn? Because in Jewish times, the new day started at 6 o'clock. What we would have called 6 o'clock yesterday began the Lord's Day. Do you understand what I'm saying? So did they come at dusk and dawn? Um, I think Luke and John say they came while it was still dark or came very early in the morning. Mark kind of gives us a clue that they came at dawn because he said at sunrise. So think about this. How many of you get up first thing in the morning ever, get dressed, get your clothes on, so you can hurry up to the cemetery. Anybody? Oh, come on, you're not that self-righteous, are you? I want to tell on you folks. I used to work in a funeral home. Nobody wants to be around a graveyard, a cemetery, or a funeral home before daylight. Could I get an amen? And yet they did. They got up, they got dressed, they arranged their lives so they could come to the tomb. And they immediately noticed something was wrong. And so then they heard the message of the angel. Here's this strange man sitting up there. And they heard the message of the angel. I believe that the message of the angel contains some elements. I'm going to give you four. But there's a fifth one I'm going to mention in his message at the end. Four elements of his message that I think help us today. The first thing that he said, well, let me give it all to you. Let me just give it all to you. We'll, we'll put it up here. Here we go. We'll go. So don't fear. He is not here. He's alive. Tell it till all hear. Did y'all get that? Read that with me. Don't fear. He is not here. He's alive. Tell it till all hear. That in a nutshell is the message from the angel. So what we're going to do is we're going to back all of that off and we're going to take them one at a time. Don't fear. Have you ever thought about why he said don't fear? I mean... I just mentioned about coming to the cemetery, but let me put this in perspective for you, okay? I want you to get some real hands on how the ladies felt. They had gotten up. They had changed their uh, uh, schedules to come to the one that they loved the most. They wanted to see him. Another place it says that who will roll the stone for us. So, so they came to the tomb expecting the tomb to be closed, expecting Jesus to be in the tomb. Now get the picture. They round the corner. Are you following me? They round the corner and they look down the way. And the first thing they notice is the stone's not where it's supposed to be. Uh, this ain't good. Y'all understand what I'm telling you? Now, before you get really self-righteous and or religious, think about this. If you were to walk into a, a cemetery to one of your loved one's grave, and when you walked up, you see that it's open, would that, would that be unusual for you? I mean, would that cause you a little trepidation? Anybody? And so they see that the tomb is open. Well, now they get a little closer, you know what else they notice? They notice that all the soldiers are on the ground looking like they're dead. Well, what's going on? What kind of battle? You know, they knew this was a, a, a riot in Jerusalem. What is going on? And then they get a little closer, 
And as they see that the, that the soldiers are actually moving and shaking because they are laying down from fright. Roman soldiers. Guys who were trained to be tough. Guys who crucified people. Who punished people. Who persecuted people. And they're laying on the ground. They're scared. And then they get a little closer to that tombstone. And that, that two ton plus t- stone is rolled back up the hill. Wow. And they didn't have a caterpillar to do that with. And they see the stone and they see this aura of light around it. Now they're already already weird. I'd have been weirded out. You may not have been, but I'd have been weirded out. The stone's open, the guys are on the ground, and now here's this weird light around the stone. And all of a sudden I look into that weird light, and you know what I see sitting on the stone? A man. Can anybody call Ghostbusters? You don't know what's going on. Do you think that was enough for them to be afraid? And then that man speaks. I know without a, my divine imagination, I know that the ladies were relieved that the first words he said was, fear not. Don't fear. Now that's enough human reasons, but did you realize that every time that a heavenly body encounters a human body, that is a heavenly being and a human being, Almost every time, the first words are, don't be afraid. We can go back in Scripture and we can find how when the angel came to Zechariah, first words was, that's the, John the Baptist's dad, said, don't be afraid. When the angel came to Mary to announce the birth of the, of the son, his first words were, don't be afraid. And now, to these women... The words are, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Why is that? Please listen. If you get nothing else today, please don't miss this. Every time we come into the presence of a heavenly being, a divine being, someone who is residing in heaven, we come to understand that our arrogance is misplaced. We come to see what they are compared to what we really are. We think we're pretty good stuff. You know, Don, you may be a pretty good guy compared to Jerry. But that's the wrong standard. When we see heavenly beings, all of a sudden we realize what perfection is all about and what imperfection is all about. And here's what I will say to you. When we understand who God is and we understand that with a word, he said, let there be light and there was light. We understand that he scooped up a little bit of dirt, and he fashioned a man, blew, a, blew the breath of life into him, and he became a living being. When we realized that he opened up man's side, took a rib, and made a woman. When we realized that he rained uh, fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah. When we realized that he parted the Red Sea. Here's what I will tell you. It will take no imagination at all to know that in the snap of his fingers that he can destroy every one of us. And a God like that, when he sends his messenger evokes us to be afraid. I dare say to you and to I that if you've never been afraid before the Lord, you're probably not saved. Because when the Lord comes and speaks to you, the first thing that comes in your heart is that fear. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. You see, the Bible still says The payment, the wages, the compensation for sin is death. 
And when the, here's how it works. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and says, Hey, Jerry, you're a sinner. And your sin is going to cause you punishment. Because I am not going to deal with sin in eternity. And so now the fear comes. And then he says, Oh, but one other thing. I've made a way. I've made a way. Let's come back to that. Fear not. Fear not because he loves us, because he's made a way for us. And then he says, the angel goes on to say, he is not here. He is not here. Number two. I want you to think about that. Because I had never really considered that until even getting ready for this message. Here the women are at dawn, at sunrise. The tomb is open. The angels talking to them. And they came to see Jesus. The stones rolled away. The soldiers are on the ground. Can you imagine all the questions those women ask? He is not here. Okay. Where is he? Uh, has Peter done something again? We can't trust Peter. He always goes crazy. They, who took him? Where did they take him? Why did they take him? What's going on? May I just tell you, you may not, you may not, and I may not answer the question why he's not there, but here's what I'm going to tell you today. Mark it down. He is still not in the grave today. He is out of the grave. You could go and look for a dead Jesus all you want, but he will not be there. And I'm afraid that in our culture we look for the dead Jesus and not the live Jesus. The Jesus still on the cross. This Jesus still in the ground. Because the truth is, we have become so arrogant in our, in our affluence that we tend to think and dismiss the fact that Jesus is powerful enough to heal marriages, to, to mend your past, to, uh, to, to help you lead a daily life, to take care of you. To right the wrongs. To give you an exciting and exceptional and even an enjoyable life. It is sad to me today, teenagers. It is sad to me when I look back to when I was a teenager and I can't imagine it's changed that much. How many thought, oh, you follow Jesus, that's a dull, dead, boring life. And yet Jesus is not the one that kills life. He's the one that gives life. Paul writes these words and he compares Adam, the first Adam, to Jesus, the last Adam. And he said, the first Adam, he became a living being. But the last Adam, Jesus, he became a life-giving spirit. He is not here. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the fullest. This morning, Jesus is not in the grave. He's not in the ground. He's not on the cross. You see, you want to know where Jesus is not today in your life, in my life? Please listen. Jesus is not any place where sin resides. Jesus is not any place where sin resides. And I didn't say where sin visits. I know we all slip and fall, but I'm going to tell you, if you're a true follower of Christ, you cannot live in sin. The Holy Spirit of God working in you will not let you. 
Because if you could live in sin, every time we sin and we live in sin, we crucify Jesus all over again. Jesus will not reside where any sin is okay. And I, and I fear too, too often today that we're, now we tend to think that we can rationalize out our sin. Well, Jesus understands. It's okay. Well, Jesus doesn't understand, and it's not okay. choir sang the other night. By the way, the choir hadn't blessed your heart today. If they didn't light your fire, I'm afraid your wood's wet. We came Friday night, had a pretty good house full, had all kind of sound problems. Satan tried to get in every way he could, and I just don't think he won today, Friday night. choir has spoken to my heart more than you know, and I hope to your heart. Because the truth is, Jesus, he didn't come as a king because he knew he could only come as a lamb to buy back our soul. The word is, don't fear. He is not here. But can you hear this? Let me, let me do this kind of crescendo, right? Don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. That has to be the pinnacle. He's alive. I, I want to take a little divine liberty here. Now, you know that my mind don't run like everybody else's mind. Y'all, and many of you, you lead your prayer life on Friday night and Saturday morning going, Lord, I thank you that my mind don't work like my preacher's mind. I understand that. That's cool. But can you imagine those women coming to the tomb? And he going, he's not here. He's alive. Now, the word in that, how Matthew records it says he has been resurrected from the dead. Well, for me, if he has been resurrected from the dead, he is alive. Agreed? Amen? Okay. But I can't imagine they saying the women, he's alive. I can just imagine. Not because they're women. And I pick it on women. I'd have done the same thing. Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. You said he's alive. Well, do you know what kind of beating they gave him just three days ago? We couldn't even recognize him. Hmm. <laughs> Don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. Wait a minute. We saw them. They put nails in his hands and feet. They put a spear in his side. And they put thorns on his head. Don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. But you don't understand. He hung on that cross all day long. And they went out to break his legs. And he was graveyard dead. They took him off the cross. And he never moved. He was dead. Don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. But you, you, we saw them put him in the tomb just three days ago. Well, and I'm, maybe I'm going too far, but the angel losing his patience goes, listen, would you listen to me? Are you hearing impaired? Don't fear. He's not here. He is alive. Now, I don't, I understand that conversation may not have happened just like that. I dare say they asked questions, and I will say that they walked away knowing that Jesus was alive, and Jesus is alive today. It doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter what you do. This one fact that's proven in history sets Christianity apart. From all other religions. In fact, Josh McDowell was countered, was confronted in a South American 
university one time. They said, Josh, you call yourself an intellectual. He goes, well. They said, well, if you're such an intellectual, why do you believe this Christianity stuff with all its hocus pocus? And Josh said one thing I can't get away from. I can't get away from the resurrection. A lawyer named Frank Morrison set out to disprove the resurrection, to write a book. He did write a book, but it was entitled, Who Moved the Stone? The first chapter was the book that refused to be written because history has recorded evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. The graves of Confucius, Mohammed, uh, Joseph Smith, and uh, Buddha are all occupied, but if you go to the grave site of Jesus today, you cannot find a body. You can only find a hole in the ground. Because he is alive. And it is because he's alive we can live. Because he's alive we can really live. You see, all of this is not just emotional pomp and circumstance. This means something. The Bible still tells us this. There is no one righteous, not even one. Every person's a sinner. You know what? When somebody taught me that the first time to share my faith, they said to me, they said, Jerry, do you know what that means, that everybody's a sinner? And I said, what? They said, that means your principal's a sinner? I said, well, I knew that. That means your teacher's a sinner? I said, double ditto. That means your mom and dad's a sinner? I go, what? And then he said, that means I'm a sinner. I said, you? He said, but you know what else that means? That means you're a sinner. And the Bible tells us that the wages of the compensation for sin is death. Paul writes in... In Ephesians, he says, For we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That means that we have been put in the ground by our sin. And it is only when we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord, that our lives are turned around. That we're given new hope, a new home, a new future. Have you done that? Have you invited Christ into your life, not just to join the church, not just to get baptized? Have you, have you invited Christ into your life where he's your best friend every day? We sing and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm at home. Do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? Do you listen? You know, the thing that I didn't say, the thing that I didn't put in the outline today is that yes, don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. But the ladies were searching for Jesus. What are you searching for today? Are you searching for retirement? Are you searching for the right guy or the right girl? Are you searching for right friends? Well, let me just give you a clue. Everything else will fall into place when you search and find Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we will find him when we seek him. 
But when we seek him and when we find him and when he saves us, then we get the last part of the message. It says, tell it till all hear. Isn't it interesting that the angel and Jesus both told the ladies to go tell it? I mean, think about that. That Sunday morning, it began as a whisper. Jesus is alive. Did you hear? He wasn't there. He's alive. Did you hear? He wasn't He wasn't there. He's alive. Did you hear? He's alive. And it swelled into a mighty chorus that some 40 days later, 3,000 people were ushered into the kingdom because Jesus was alive. And I'll tell you this. Our Lord expects us to tell it out. When Jesus resurrected, when Jesus ascended back into heaven in Acts chapter 1, his last words recorded in Matthew 28, Mark 16, uh, John 21, and Acts. Here's what I want to say. It says, I want you to go there for it. I want you to teach all nations because you're going to be my witnesses. I want you to start right in Jerusalem. And then I want you to move to Judea. And then to that place that you don't want to go, go to Samaria and to the rest of the world. That's my command to you. Well, do you know how obedient those first century uh, believers were? They stayed in Jerusalem. That's where the mega church was. That's where the fellowship was. That's where their church was. And they stayed there until it cost Stephen his life. They never were scattered until Stephen had to suffer persecution. Now, here's the thing. If you know the Lord today, if you're walking with him, he has given you and me the command to tell. And if we choose not to tell and we're really his, he may put persecution in our lives until we'll move out of where we are to tell. So I asked you the question today. Maybe several. Have you found Jesus? Have you searched for Jesus? Have you met Jesus? Has Jesus met you? The old hymn writer wrote these words. Your life's a book before their eyes. And they're reading it through and through. Does it point them to the skies to Jesus? Do others see Jesus in you? As we end our service today, my call is that if you don't know Jesus, that today you will hear the Lord say, don't fear, I know you're a sinner, but I got, I got a way. And hearing his words inside, you'll invite him into your heart and life. Just a little bit, we're going to stand and I'll be down front. And you can just make your way to whatever aisle is closest to you and I'll greet you and talk with you about how you can know Christ. Perhaps the Lord has spoken to you. Uh, you know him. You walk with him. But goodness, you haven't told. You haven't sh shared it. You haven't been faithful. You haven't been consistent. What better day to recommit your life than Resurrection Sunday? 
How's the Lord spoken to you about your church membership? Oh, you've been visiting a while. God's led you here. You can just make your way when we stand to sing and I'll greet you down front. What has God spoken to you today? I can tell you for sure he'll give you the message of the angel. Don't fear. He's not here. He's alive. Tell it till all here. Let's pray.